You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 110 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. As always, I am coming to you from the Gulf Coast of Pensacola, Florida. And today, you'll be hearing my conversation with a returning guest, Mr. Steve Wise. You might remember his interview from one of the earlier episodes of this podcast. But uh, Steve came back on the show to talk about a lot of cool things. Uh, He is an author, writer, filmmaker, and he's also the programming director for Pensacon. And for those who don't know what Pensacon is, it's a comic book convention that we have here in Pensacola every February. And what's unique about it is that the whole community kind of rallies around Pensacon. So for example, our airport, the Pensacola International Airport, during the time of year for Pensacon, they'll change their name to the Intergalactic Airport and then they'll rebrand themselves Uh, having Star Wars, Star Trek, and all types of uh, space-type things around the airport. Uh, The Fish House, which is a popular seafood restaurant we have here in town, they'll host like a Harry Potter or a Game of Thrones-themed party. Uh, The Tin Cow, a burger place, will host a Walking Dead-themed party. The whole city really kind of unites around Pensacon, and I think that's something that's really unique and really cool uh, about Pensacon. So we talk a lot about uh, the convention itself, uh, Steve's role, which his role is uh, to schedule all the panels that uh, celebrities hold throughout the weekend and also to train the moderators on what to do and what not to do when you're moderating a panel uh, with you know various types of celebrities. And I actually had the privilege of being a moderator at Pensacon this year, and it was a lot of fun to do, and it's something that I hope to do uh, at Pensacon next year. But we don't just talk about Pensacon. We talk about uh, his career as an author. He's written uh, a book called Portals of the Mind, which is a collection of stories. He's also written a Batman screenplay, which was voted as one of the top unproduced Batman screenplays of all time, and it's called Batman Dark Knight. And we also talk about other movies as well, like uh, Batman versus Superman, Civil War, and, of course, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Anytime I have someone on the show that is in any way involved with nerd and geek culture, I have to ask them about Star Wars. So if you like nerd pop culture type things, then this is definitely the interview for you. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking with Steve. We always have something cool to talk about. And a side note before we get to the interview, this was originally recorded as a video interview on the Nerd Cave Network YouTube channel. So you can find the video on YouTube if you wish to view it that way, but I thought I would include the audio uh, for the podcast listeners. So hopefully you guys enjoy it, but before we get to that, let me tell you about my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are an indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida, and they are very important to this podcast, and that's because they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is Twin Peaks from their album Murder Mystery Night, which is available now for free on Bandcamp. Just go to Bandcamp.com and search for the Unicorn Wranglers, and you can get Murder Mystery Night for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, free. 
You can also find their EP Atomics on iTunes and Spotify for $2.97. You can also follow them on social media. They're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wranglers. And finally, be sure to check out their website, theunicornwranglers.com. And without further ado, here is my interview with Mr. Steve Wise. What's up, guys? Welcome to the special video edition of the Derek Diamond Experience, and I am joined along with my special guest, programming director at Pensacon, writer, filmmaker, and friend, Mr. Steve Wise. Steve, how you doing? I'm very good. Good, good. It's, it's been a while uh, since we've talked. I know we've only talked maybe a handful of times since mm-hmm. uh, Pensacon. So it's, it's, uh, I know we've both been busy, uh, but I did want to start off by asking... Um, how did this year's Pensacon go compared to years past? Like, what were some maybe changes that were made? Because you've been involved since the beginning. Um, I have been involved. Uh, this is my second year that I've been programming director. I, I was taking care of some other duties the first year. But um, one of the biggest changes is that we had, uh, well, I don't know if it's a change, but we did a little bit better job, I think, um, bringing in moderators and uh, we had a really awesome crew this year and uh, I was really proud of uh, how our moderators did. Excluding one that's sitting to your right. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, as someone who had never really done anything like that before I knew you had a uh, a class you taught we had uh, two different Mm -hmm. sessions leading up to Pensacon and I thought as someone who had never done anything like that before it was really helpful because you got to really go over the rules of what to do and what not to do. And then also doing kind of a mock panel where you're also the guest as well as the moderator. Just kind of putting yourself in that situation is the best way to do things. Well, well I found that in any type of training situation, if you um, experience kind of the other side of it, then you, you know what the other person is experiencing also. And... But it, it does help when everybody kind of goes through this and helps each other. You know, you, you learn best by doing and yes. by getting feedback from the other people who are also doing instead of just one person up there lecturing. Absolutely, yeah. So let's talk about uh, Pensacon next year. Mm-hmm. And we're a couple of months removed from this year, and you guys are already planning big stuff. I mean, you guys have uh, Walter Koenig from the original Star Trek. You have... Jake the Snake Roberts, WWE Hall of Famer, Sylvester McCoy, the mm-hmm. Seventh Doctor. So you've really got a nice variety of guests, and that's something I think that Pensacon does really well is catering to different fandoms. Well, we we try to do that, even though we call ourselves a Comic-Con, and we do have a really good selection of comic book artists and writers. Uh, and, and comic books are a major part of, of what Pensacon is. But we are kind of an all-inclusive fan experience as opposed to just just focusing on science fiction or just focusing on anime or uh, or any particular genre. We we try to have a little bit of representation of every fandom as much as we can, and and that includes wrestling. I mean, some people kind of question. 
why do you have wrestlers? Well, wrestlers are kind of modern day live action superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know, they dress in costumes. They have heroes and villains and a storyline that plays out. And and kids look up to them and, and really get excited when they, they have their fights. And uh, so, you know, it, it is something kind of a little bit different than than the average, you know, celebrity. But right. um, it does hit a hit a fandom. A funny story about the wrestling thing is I don't think I told you this. I was out in the uh, back parking lot where they had the ring set up, you know, getting some footage of it, and they're having this big battle royal, and there's like 10 people in the ring, and there are no mats around it. It's just concrete, and this guy gets thrown out over the top rope and lands on his shoulder, and you just hear. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know about that. And I'm just like, is he okay? Like, can't you guys get some mats or something? <laughs> it was like, that was crazy. But no, I, I've watched it since I was 12, and I think of it as a different form of theater, mm-hmm. a more physical type of theater, really. It, well, it is. It's very, yeah. very theatrical. And um, like I said, it, it it appeals to those people that really like to see the action and, you know, but it's not really get into the like the sports of right. perhaps boxing or even MMA. Um, it, it's you get into the fantasy of it. Now, how did you get involved with Pensacon? Well, <laughs> I kind of got brought in through the back door, so, so to speak. Um, I was originally hired to produce a short film called Girl from Iceland through Kinematic Entertainment, mm-hmm. and it was just a, a contract uh, type of thing just for, for that film. And then that kind of spread into another film and another film, some Pensacon commercials, and then I was brought in on staff for Kinematic Entertainment, and next thing I know, they're giving me jobs to do for Pensacon, and you know I had to coordinate uh, all the transportation, getting the uh, getting the celebrities from the airport to the hotel, and from the hotel to the base center, and uh, worrying about parking and worrying about trolleys and you know all, all that coordination. But what was really cool is is that first year. I was the one who was at the airport greeting the celebrities and a friend of mine actually flew, flew in from California and was helping me out. And the two of us were the first people that the celebrities oh, saw. Awesome. <laughs> I, I can't necessarily claim that I was the first person they would see because just one of them, because my friend would be, um, you know, up there's two stories of the airport and uh, Eric would be up there at, at the, the second story the second floor uh to you know kind of weigh people down and i was down at the little kiosk at the bottom of the escalator but uh i'd make sure that they you know got into their vehicles and and uh, that was kind of an interesting experience because there were major weather concerns the fog well not just the fog but there were um terrible thunderstorms in houston Mm-hmm. And a lot of our flights coming from California had a layover in Houston, and so they couldn't get through there. So that was keeping them from arriving on time. We had four flights that had mechanical problems. Oh boy. And you know, Mike Ensley uh, texted me and said, "Call Parker Stevenson at this number and find out where he is." So I had Parker's cell phone number and I called him up and he was sitting on an airplane in Los Angeles where he had been for two hours because there was a problem with one of the flaps <laughs> and there were three other celebrities that were on the flight with him and then 
the fog hit and uh, around 5 p.m. and we had still flights coming in until 10 p.m. and no airplane could land at the airport. And wow. so they were being diverted to Mobile or Fort Walton Beach or back to Atlanta or back to Dallas or who knows where. We, we didn't even know where Priscilla Barnes was sent. So um, that, that, that was our first year. <laughs> well, I remember leaving work that day and then getting on the 110 bridge and just seeing the, the mass wall of fog. Yeah. And I'm just like, they're not very happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a scary experience because we didn't really know what to expect from the first year and you know we were hoping for about 5,000 attendees we had 11,000 mm-hmm. and then suddenly it was like do we have any celebrities mm-hmm. <laughs> because of all these problems with with the airplanes yeah and it was just before you know before day one even began we were having to scramble and and uh, it was very stressful, but it all worked out and it was a it huge did. success. It did. It, it, it all worked out and, and uh, people liked uh, what we were able to put together. I mean, we were, uh, you know, it, it looked smooth to the attendees. At least I, that's what the feedback we got, but man, behind the scenes, we were <laughs> running around with like, you know, like, ah, what are we going to do here? Yeah. Trying to put out a lot of fires. I, I can understand that. Cause the way we do things like during baseball games is that things can be so chaotic in the press box or in the office, but if things look smooth out in the stadium, no one's the wiser. Right. So is the important thing is you just make sure the fans have a good time. Well, not only the fans, uh, and, and I mean, trust me, <laughs> the fans are really important, and, mm-hmm. the, and the attendees. That that's you know our our goal is to give them a an experience that is unlike any other, and is a. We've also got the vendors, the we, we celebrities, right, artists, right, right. things, and people like that. So so yeah, we, we strive to give give everybody a great experience, and but. We had in starting from the first year, we've we've set a reputation with our guests, and not just celebrities, but you know even you know our comic book artists, our authors, our cosplayers. Um, and we you know we uh, shine a spotlight on several local cosplayers every year, mm-hmm. um, but we try to treat them better than anybody else does. Um, you know we provide really good food in the green room. We tr- you know give them transportation wherever they need to go. We we treat them. Not, it's not that we bow down to them, but we treat them like human beings. Right. And from what I hear, and I, I haven't experienced this directly, but I hear that many other conventions, and, and I'm talking about major conventions, um, they don't really do that. And it, it does make a difference. And, and if the guests are happy, they're going to make our attendees happy. Right. No, I, I think from what I've heard, I mean, I've talked to artists and even some celebrities when I've done interviews, they all say that Pensacon is like the premier con of, mm-hmm. you know, treating guests well. Like um, I talked with Claudia Wells the last day of the convention. She said, I have never been treated so well at a convention. Nice. You know, she's one of many <laughs> this past year that I n- never got a chance to meet. Oh, she was she was great. It was funny you mentioned the Parker Stevenson mm-hmm. story when Mike Ensley just says, "Oh, you know, call him at this number," and you're probably <laughs> thinking, "Oh, I'm supposed to just call Parker Stevenson." Yeah. Well, I was supposed to interview her for my show, and we had been well, Parker, tra- Parker Stevenson, Claudia Wells. Okay, <laughs> Claudia Wells. Sorry, should have elaborated more. But anyway, anyway, I'm emailing Claudia Wells back and forth, and 
she's like, you know, I, I haven't been able to really uh, check my email, so here, just text me. And I'm like, I'm supposed to just text yeah. Claudia Wells from Back to the Future. Yeah. So, okay. And that's how we set it up. So Yeah. Um, talking about Walter Koenig, the first year, um, he, poor guy, was really sick. Mm-hmm. And he had um, throat infection and just really bad, and he couldn't talk the whole weekend. And, of course, his flight got sent to Mobile, and then they had to drive him in on the way back out there was weather problems also and his flight got canceled and this poor guy is like sick as a dog and he had to stay an extra day in pensacola and he and walter jones from power rangers Mm -hmm. had the same flight we had to drive them to fort walton beach and he had to fly out from there and so i had walter jones's phone number and to be able to check on them because when they got home when they got back to los angeles walter jones drove walter koenig back to his house wow and so walter jones texted me and said walter's home he's fine so (laughs) just a little thing like that it's like okay a power ranger just drove Chekhov back home (laughs) and is texting me to let me know okay yeah this is so the black ranger (laughs) let you know that Chekhov made it safely yes exactly yeah that's that's awesome (laughs) That's awesome. Now, you mentioned you're the programming director mm-hmm. at Pensacon. What exactly is your role as program director? Um, basically, I'm in charge of scheduling and trying to make sure that all of the panels happen when they're supposed to happen and that they're laid out in such a way to where um, it makes sense. You know, For instance, we don't want multiple Star Trek theme panels happening at the same time. Right. Um, you know, so I, I maintain the master schedule. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier the moderators, so I trained and, and scheduled the moderators, making sure that there's kind of a good fit with what each moderator's um, talents and skills are right. to, and their interests also, um, to the panels that they're going to be doing. Uh, trying to make sure that the special events are happening on time. Uh, maintaining the website, maintaining, you know, there's, there's just a lot that goes into keeping up with that. Um, if you receive our annoying emails that get sent out um, <laughs> fairly often, uh, that's one of my duties is, is putting those together and getting those sent out. So, um, you know, I also usually end up editing all, and this is not part of the programming uh, side, but uh, the commercials, um, mm-hmm. we do all those in-house and, uh, you know, we take turns directing and producing and writing them. I usually end up editing them all. So um, there's a certain production aspect that goes into my job also. Right. But the, the editing's got to be fun, though, because, I mean, that's what I do mm-hmm. at my job as well. It's always like putting together a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Well, and up to this point, uh, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to be doing from this point forward, but um, the last three years we've done creative, fun commercials and uh, those have been just a blast to, to do. Even when we're out in 100-degree temperature with 100 <laughs> cosplayers in costume. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I remember that day. Yeah. yeah. That, that, was, uh, that, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's, that's Florida weather for you. Yeah. In September, it'll still be 90, 95 degrees. When it's supposed to be like, oh, isn't it fall now? And you're just like, nope, still got another month of hot weather. Well, we actually thought it was going to be raining that day. Mm-hmm. And we knew it was going to be hot in the morning, but we figured, okay, there's going to be rain sometime early afternoon. And we can take a break for lunch. It'll rain. 
it'll cool play, things off. It'll cool things off. We can go out and continue. It did not rain. Just not a cloud in the sky the whole day. And the sun just beat down on us. And about midday, we had to cancel the shoot and reschedule because it was just too brutal. You know, we had people collapsing because yeah. <laughs> of the heat. And it's like, no. Because I remember I had to work an event that day. And then I drove straight from the stadium to Cantonment where the commercial was being filmed. And then you guys were packing up. And I was like, did something happen? And you're yeah, like, you were oh, we had to cancel. The camera crew. Yeah. yeah. So it was just crazy how stuff like that happens. But mm-hmm. I mean, the the few times I've been involved with the commercial shoots, they've been a lot of fun. Because I mean, you get to do creative things with stuff you grew up watching. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you you can't you can't beat that. Well, you know, the first uh, first commercial shoot that we did, and and actually most of the subsequent ones, but never forget the first one because I'm out on a beach directing a stormtrooper, and then we went to. A uh, play, uh, you know, this, uh, I don't know, consider, I guess, a bar. Um, I'm trying to remember which commercial you're talking the, about. The, the, the one at play, the one with all the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, uh, I was directing Darth Vader. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, here's, you know, I, I grew up watching Star Wars and being a huge Star Wars fan, and here I am directing Star Wars characters. Now, granted, it's, it wasn't, you know, David Prowse in the suit. Yeah. Um, Jonathan McIntosh, uh, who, who is an awesome Darth Vader, by the way. Shout out to Jonathan McIntosh. <laughs> but um, but it still was kind of a, a cool experience. Very surreal. Uh, the, the, the last three years have been very surreal. And fun. And fun. And yes. very fun. Sometimes stressful. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but it's a fun story. That, that goes with any line mm-hmm. of work. Yeah. So you've got two books here. Tell me about these two books you have. Well, if I can plug these <laughs> books, please. Um, well, first off, I, I'm attempting to be a writer. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm actually working on a novel right now that is taking far too long to, to get through. But um, but I did put together a book of uh, short stories. It's an anthology. And it is called Portals of the Mind. It is available on Amazon.com. But, uh, yeah, it's just um, some stories I've written. Some of them were ones that I dusted off from years ago and did a polish on them. Some were fairly recent. And, um, you know, hopefully it's kind of a fun read. Uh, most people that read it com- commented that they, they enjoy the stories. Um, some science fiction, some horror, some fantasy, you know, Western, uh, just, you know, it's a kind of an eclectic uh, yeah, variety. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the other thing is, um, you know, I'm a screenwriter and my co-writer, Lee Shapiro, you know, shout out to Lee. Um, he and I had written several scripts together and, and for a while there we were flying back and forth to Los Angeles and uh, pitching scripts and um, coming very close to getting some produced, unfortunately. Uh, never quite got that far. But um, anyways, we had a, a um, connection with Warner Brothers and in reaction to Batman and Robin, which, yes, it was what good many years ago now, um, we pitched an idea to Warner Brothers, and they said, go ahead and write the script. So we wrote it, and two years later, we were still negotiating with them because they were not sure, based on the failure of, of Batman and Robin, what they were going to do with that series. And you know, as we were kept being reminded by the president of the company, the script was sitting on his desk. Um, but ultimately, they decided, now we're going to reboot the series. 
And just recently, Lee and I decided, well, you know, we keep getting listed on like IFC and Screen Crush and some other websites that our script is listed as one of the best unproduced Batman mm-hmm. scripts. And so, you know, let's put it out there for um, for people to read. And so we went ahead and did a little self-publishing. And so we have Batman Dark Knight. Yes, and it, it is <clears throat> creatively spelled <laughs> as I think um, I think it was Screen Crush, Crush was making fun of uh, the way we spelled it. But uh, um but we've gotten some really good good feedback on it, and uh, one of the characters is Man Bat, who was mm-hmm. created by Neil Adams, and I had the opportunity to actually give Neil a copy of the script, which was very scary. <laughs> <laughs> he can be a little intimidating to talk oh, to. No, at no, first. he's nice. I, I mean, I've, all my well, interactions the, with him. Well, the guy's such a legend. He's a legend, and so you're just kind of like, "What do I say to him?" Because you see all this stuff that he's worked on, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" Well, you know, I've, I've had the good fortune to to talk with him multiple times over the last few years, and you know, so I. I I approached him this year and kind of, you know, very meekishly <laughs> told him about, you know, just basically what I just described, the, the history behind it, and told him that, you know, we went ahead and did a just kind of a publishing, you know, we published this just to be able to basically give to people, you know, in, in a right. nice, nice pre- presentable way, um, and asked if he would mind if I gave him a copy, and he was actually really thrilled. Marilyn, his wife, came up to me later and said that he was just really kind of uh, very, very um, appreciative by that. That's awesome. Um, and uh, which I hope is, I hope is the truth. <laughs> I hope he didn't say, what is this kid? <laughs> I mean, I'm throw it away. But um, one of the things he pointed out when we, you know, brief discussion was people always think of man bat as a villain. Mm-hmm. He's not a villain. And I was really glad that he said that because that was our approach um in our screenplay man bat is not a villain he kirk langstrom is a victim of circumstance and actually a victim of of uh, kirk langstrom or i'm sorry uh jonathan crane who who's scarecrow um because crane actually turns him into the into the man bat um and through the course of the story he struggles with his humanity and tries to overcome the animal beast like mm-hmm. instinct in him to become man again. And so that that's one of the major themes in, in the story is what does it mean to be human as opposed to a monster? And, and Sounds man. like a really good read. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have I have a copy that I got from you at uh, Three Alarm Comics last year. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I, I do I do want to. I do want to. I do plan on reading it. Um, last con question I wanted to ask you before we get into some movie reviews, because that's the thing I've been looking forward to the most. <laughs> you got to go to uh, AltCon, and you were a guest. Mm-hmm. How was it being a guest at a con as opposed to either going as a fan or working behind the scenes at one? Well, um, it was nice because, you know, they put me up in a hotel room, which I was very appreciative of. Um, you know, got to sit behind a table and sell my books and sign 
the books. <laughs> you know, so um, signing autographs is kind of a, a new thing. This, this was actually the second time I did that because the, the first time was at uh, Three Alarms Birthday Bash mm-hmm. uh, in uh, December. Yeah, it was in December. Because I think it was right before my birthday, actually, mm-hmm. right after my birthday, um, which is in December. So, um, yeah, it, it's a little different experience. Um, now, I ended up doing a couple panels there, and one of them talking about Batman. So um, I was able to conduct my own panels as opposed to having to be in charge of, you know, interviewing people or, or you know, being right putting the program together right. so that that was kind of nice for me to be able to just like okay here's my thing let me do it um you know it all kind of was a very small convention um you know it's a little different than than pensacon so uh it, it's not really the same comparison um I, I don't anticipate being a guest at a convention the size of Pensacon anytime soon. <laughs> but, well, you never know. Yeah, you never know. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe a couple of years. Maybe so. Yeah. Let's get into some movie discussion. Sure. We'll, Are you sure? Yeah, those those things that, <laughs> that we watch, that we like to watch from time to time. Staying on subject with Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Beavis. Beavis, yeah. I love that <laughs> term you did on Facebook. So it came out a couple of months ago with mixed reviews, mm-hmm. to say the least. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? Um, mixed reviews is pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, well, well <laughs> as, as I said when I first saw the movie, I didn't hate it. Um, it, I, I almost felt like I had to endure it. it. It while sitting through it, I didn't really feel like I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I, I didn't didn't not appreciate the um what it took to make it uh obviously there was a lot of craft and skill that went into it and you know Zack Snyder for me you know the director has has been mostly hit uh I haven't been one of the Zack Snyder haters um that said I've never seen Sucker Punch but everything I'd seen from him up to this point I was a fan of other than perhaps Man of Steel, but even that I generally liked. There mm-hmm. were just some some issues that I had. It had it. its flaws, it had but its flaws. overall it was a pretty good movie. You know, the, the the camera work was one of the biggest flaws. That was a purely directorial decision. Um, there were some story issues I had with that, but um, but overall I was like, okay, you know, I, I accept this as a as a decent Superman movie. Um, with Batman versus Superman or Batman v Superman. Um, I don't know. It, it it seemed to me like a compilation of a bunch of scenes from various comic books stitched together without much rhyme or reason. And, you know, being familiar with at least some of the, the comic books, it's like, oh, yeah, that scene's from such and such. Oh, there's that. But it didn't feel cohesive. And... I don't know if the upcoming director's cut on video will solve some of those problems, but um, but the plot just was kind of random, and the the character motivations felt um, all over the place. It's just like, why is this character doing that? Why, you know, why is Batman doing? That? Why is Superman doing that? Why is Lex Luthor doing this? Why you know what is Wonder Woman doing? I, I don't know. 
it's not explained. It's just they're doing things and then suddenly they're doing something different. And to me, it, it actually <laughs> felt like Batman Forever in that regard because Batman Forever, um, I actually spoke with um, Lee Batchelor, who he and his wife, Janet, uh, wrote the original draft of Batman Forever before okay. Akiva Goldsman got a hold of it. And he said that when he saw the movie, he basically was <laughs> saying the same thing. Why is that happening? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that wasn't in my script. I just, uh, you know, so that's kind of the feel that I had. That it's like I don't understand why the characters are doing the things that they're doing, um, and and so that was a, a huge flaw. Um, but and, and generally the tone, like I said, I just I wasn't having fun with the movie. It, it I appreciated the artistry in it. It looked beautiful. Um, the acting generally was pretty good. I really like Ben Affleck mm-hmm. as, as both Bruce Wayne and Batman. I can't wait to see his solo Batman film. Um, Wonder Woman was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait for her solo film. I, I really am not looking forward to Justice League. I'm like, hmm, because is this going to have that same tone where it's all dark and gloomy and nobody smiles and there's no humor and just. Ugh. Yeah, you know, and, and so that that that's that was my feelings on it. Yeah, and I I agree for the most part. I mean, I I really liked Ben Affleck mm-hmm. as Batman. Like, I wasn't one of those that really knocked him whenever he was cast because he has the look for the part. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gonna do well because he's a Batman fan. Mm-hmm. He's gonna do his research on the character. He's really gonna pour his heart and soul into doing it because right. this is like a dream come true for sure. him. Yeah. Um, seeing Wonder Woman on screen for the first time was really cool. Like, cause when she lowered the shield, that was the one time in the theater that everyone just erupted. Yeah. Cause that was like, you finally see the Trinity on well, screen. Yeah. Yeah. When, when the three of them were on screen together, they I'm should, like, yes! they should have saved that it, for the movie. They should not have put that in any trailer. Know. Well, not to mention that the trailer kind of putting that in there kind of ruined the whole Batman versus yeah. Superman because like, oh they're now friends okay yeah they're now best friends yeah um, I thought <laughs> I thought the Martha <laughs> oh boy what did you say <laughs> I thought the pacing of the story was awful yeah. it was very all over the place and it was a little too long it f- it felt over two and a half hours you can make a long movie and it doesn't feel that long. Civil War. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But this felt really long. But all in all, I actually liked the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought I enjoyed everyone in their role as their perspective characters. And I do hope they just add a little more humor and maybe not so much gloom and yeah. darkness. Well, you know, I enjoyed individual scenes. That, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That It's like, oh, okay, the fight scene with um, Doomsday. Like, Okay, that was kind of cool. Yeah. How did that fit into the plot? It was just tacked on. You know, I enjoyed, um, you know, just individual moments in the film, but they just were like, oh, here's from this and here's from this and let's just throw it together and call it a movie. It didn't feel cohesive at all. Yeah. Civil War. What were your thoughts on that? It made up for Batman versus Superman. (laughs) It basically did everything that Beavis should have done. Um, it juggled multiple characters extraordinarily well. 
every single character had a purpose in the film. They all had their own agendas and personal goals that, you know, with their own little through lines and that had good resolutions. So you clearly understood why every single character chose to do what they did. Um, and every character had a moment to shine. The tone, it, it, it was a serious movie. I mean, there were some serious themes that were discussed in it. Mm-hmm. And in in some respects, it was the same themes as Batman versus Superman as far as should these superheroes, these you know enhanced individuals go unchecked? Does the government or a government have the right to inflict their, um, I don't know, uh, authority on people just because they have extraordinary powers? Does that take away from their liberties and their freedoms? But if left unchecked, what damage can they do? And what's the collateral damage? Both movies talked about that. Batman vs. Superman forgot it. Partway through, just, who cares about that? You know, they set up something really good, no payoff. Civil War, that was the theme through the entire movie, and they developed it really well. Um, It was a long movie, but it didn't feel long. Right. It had... It's, it's weight to it, but it was funny throughout the movie. And it wasn't funny because it was a comedy. It was funny because of the character situations, some of the dialogue. And, but it was mostly, you know, the coming from a pure place because these characters were so well-defined. And the biggest difference, though, is that with Civil War, of course, it had this long history of movies now. And you really understood what, the relationship between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers was if you've watched all the films mm-hmm. with Batman versus Superman. Yes, we know who Batman is because of all the other iterations. We don't necessarily know who this Batman is. We've never seen Wonder Woman on screen and Superman. We've had one movie with him, And so now Batman and Superman are just meeting for the first time. Lex Luthor is just being introduced Wonder Woman is just being introduced, and yet the characters from the beginning are at odds and have to learn to overcome that. How they overcome it is too quick and just absurd. With Civil War, you have friends who are now at odds, and there's this emotion that goes with it because now their friendship is being ripped apart because of choices that each character makes. And it's not because, oh, I'm kidnapping your mother and forcing you to go fight. Which could have been extremely easy to to resolve uh, how it should have ended, handle it really well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But with Civil War, there's no easy resolution. Because in real life, not that we should apply real life to superheroes, but with a you know, with realistic characterization, they don't always have a happy ending where everything is all neatly tied up. And and I like that. Right. I Going back to the kind of the pacing of the movie, it was a little more serious in the beginning. Like the first, I could be wrong on the time, but mm-hmm. the, like the first, I'd say, third of the movie mm-hmm. felt much more serious than any other Marvel film. Yeah. 
But once, really once they introduced Spider-Man <laughs> and they had the whole exchange between him and Tony Stark, which I loved, yeah. uh, Tom Holland was excellent yeah. as Spider-Man. <laughs> it's funny because uh, a friend of mine mentioned this, Marvel did Spider-Man better in 20 minutes than Sony did in five films combined. Yep. And that's and when, by the way, I'm a fan of the Sam Raimi films. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first Andrew Garfield one was okay. I mean, it was good, but it was a retread. Um, and obviously, Spider-Man 3. And Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I thought once that happened, the humor kind of introduced itself yeah. back in. And then with Scott Lang coming in, um, which that I, I won't you? I won't spoil what he does in the fight, but the the whole thing was just so good. Excuse me. Oh no worries. Um, the whole the scene at the airport that that fight was one of if not the best fight scenes I've ever seen because mm-hmm. it's this one big fight, but there are individual things happening. Yeah. And they all got their, like you said, little moment to shine. And if you shine. contrast that with the fight with Doomsday in Batman versus Superman, um, which it just seemed like a lot of noise and um, violence, um, it was just like, okay, just pounding, 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 pounding. Instead of, like, Black Widow has a line in Civil War, you know, about, I'm paraphrasing, you know, do you think that you're going to be able to solve this by punching? That's what it felt like with Superman, in, uh, Batman versus Superman, where here it's like they were reluctant to fight, but they were forced into it because of their own choices. And and like I said, there was emotion behind it. You know, Tony Stark, I felt for him because technically he's the antagonist in the movie. Yeah. But I completely understood where he was coming from, and I felt bad for him. Where. Not so much in the other film. <laughs> well, they Tony Stark and Steve Rogers had this conflicting opinion, mm-hmm. but you understood why they each felt that way, and that's what I thought was great. Was it was truly a you just pick whatever side of the opinion you agree on, and it's not so clear cut mm-hmm. black and white. And kind of going to you know the new characters that were introduced, both. Black Panther and Spider-Man yes. were phenomenal. Amazing, I, I'm yeah. super excited for Black Panther's movie now. Me too. Yeah, the, and once again, the casting was just yes. perfect. I mean, he was able to, to just get all the different nuances of the character, and you really felt like that was that person. Even if you knew nothing about Black Panther, in this movie, this was his origin story, basically. Yeah. And, and you completely understood who he was and where he's coming from, and now hopefully we can go into a solo film and and enjoy that. And seeing the, the post credit scene and just seeing uh, Wakanda was just, oh, it was awesome. <laughs> you see the giant panther statue. And, spoiler. Yeah. Well, mild, <laughs> mild spoiler. I didn't say what happened. I just said you see it. Well, that nuclear explosion was kind of a surprise. Yeah, when just the movie ended and it said no more Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. Right. <laughs> it, was, oh, it was awesome. DC fanboys rejoice when, when uh, um, Ultron resurrected and just blew up. You know, <laughs> oh up God! Yeah. I did not like that movie. <laughs> Last movie, everyone loves Star Wars. Mm-hmm. 
What did you think of Force Awakens? Um, well, <laughs> I, I'm like everybody else. I absolutely loved it. Actually, there have been a few people that did not like it so much, but uh, overwhelmingly people did enjoy it. But most people I know that don't like it either just don't like Star Wars anyway, or they say, oh, it's just a remake of A New Hope. Right. Which structurally, which is fun, actually it's kind of funny because one of the, the panels I did at Alcon was, was looking at story structure based on the original trilogy of Star Wars and just kind of walking through the plot and looking where the beats hit and and how they structured the first, you know those three films and kind of talked a little bit about you know okay people say Force Awakens was a new hope and I was arguing no it's not but then when you look at the structure it's pretty close it is um the structure is 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 you know, the framework is there. However, the getting back to the characters, the character choices and, and who they are as people are very different than what we saw in a new hope. And the characters make it a different story. If, if it had been another Luke Skywalker who was raised on a farm and had dreams of going elsewhere and then, you know, and, and was the innocent, naive. And I mean, if, if they had gone with that route and we were just a clone of Luke, then yes, I would say we've seen this story already. But Ray is such a different character and where she's coming from. And even though there's a lot of similarities, you know, being raised basically as an orphan on a desert planet, um, but she's looking at waiting for her family to come back, but she's also tough. She has skills because she's had to fend for herself. Luke was a farm boy. I mean, mm-hmm. he was just, okay, you know, yeah, he lived in the desert, but he was still a farm boy that just grew up on a farm and wanted adventure. And yeah. Ray was not, not that she had to fight to stay alive. And, um, and so with her, the choices that she did in, where she was coming from that led the story in different directions. And, and also, you know, um, Kylo Ren was, even though there's obviously similarities between him and Darth Vader, um, there's actually more similarities between him and young Anakin. Yeah. Um, and which, uh, I think it was LaVon French from the 501st said, um, and I, I think <laughs> she was the one who said it, um, that, she wishes Adam Driver had played Anakin because, yeah, because, uh, I mean, he basically got that character, what Anakin should have been. And so it kind of made up for that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I really had very little problem with the, what I call the echoes uh, from, mm-hmm. from the first. Uh, and I, I didn't either. You know, at first I was like, Oh, they're not going to do this, are they? You know, with with BB-8 and giving the you know whatever yeah. plans ended up being. You know, at the time I didn't know. It's like, oh no, they're doing this exact same thing. But even BB-8 was so different than R2 yeah. that it's like, yeah, it's going through kind of the similar paces, but it's such a different character that there's there's a big contrast between what the characters in one movie went through and what the characters in the next one did. Yeah, I I totally agree. I I went. Opening night, loved it. Saw it three more times in the theater after that. It has its similarities, yes, but it's different enough to me where it's not just a copy mm-hmm. of the same thing. I'm interested in where Ray, Finn, 
Poe and even Kylo Ren go mm-hmm. from here. What are some things you would like to see happen in episode eight? Um, I would like to see Leia get more screen time. Um, I, I really like the scenes, very brief scenes that she and um, Han had together. Um, it was unfortunate that Han and Luke did not get any screen time together. Yeah, and I thought about that after. And I'm fact. hoping that Luke and Leia get screen time. Um, I like the fact that Leia was now a general and you know was in charge of everything pretty much. Um, but I, I would still like to see a little bit more of her interacting and, and taking a more you know a, you know the, a lot of the focus was on Han in this film. I would like to see her kind of in that similar role yeah. in the next film. Now that because Leia has always been that character that maybe is a little overlooked compared to like mm-hmm. Han or Luke or even like Chewie or the droids. Mm-hmm. I never really hear anyone talk about Princess Leia. Yeah. So I, I think that would that would be cool. And I, I one thing I would love to see is some Sith training or dark side training that we haven't really seen. Like we've seen the Jedi Temple in the prequels. Yeah. We've seen you know, steps that a Jedi has to take. Well, what do, what is it like on the other side? Well, we, we saw a very brief glimpse of the Knights of the Wren. Yeah. And I'm, I feel like that needs to be explored. More. Yes. And I, I think it will be one of those things where Luke will tell Ray what, what happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've read them, but there are some, uh, there's one crazy fan theory out there that uh, I don't think is true. But uh, that that Jar Jar Binks is actually uh, uh, the supreme leader. Almost as bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a there. I don't think this is a spoiler just because it's a theory or it's a, an alleged story. There's a theory that Ray is the reincarnation of Anakin. And that it's the quote unquote chosen one is born whenever the force is thrown out of balance so Anakin wasn't the only... And I had the exact same yeah. reaction, too. Like, it would make a cool what-if story, but yeah. I don't think that's the route they should go because well, I think it would confuse too many people. Well, first off, the, the prequels kind of misstep by introducing the midichlorians and we're trying to have a scientific explanation for mysticism. Mm-hmm. If you introduce reincarnation suddenly in the eighth film in the series... Um, I'm afraid that that's in for a lot of people is going to jump the shark. Yeah. Like, Oh, Oh, now they're doing reincarnation. Okay. Whatever. I'm not even going to bother with this. Um, not that to say that it couldn't work in the story. Um, because I mean, we have ghosts basically force ghosts and the case could be made that, okay, the the energy from that, the force is keeping them alive because nobody else exist in that form after they die they they're dead yeah um so what's to say that that energy couldn't go into a new being that's being born um i just think that that's a little bit lame (laughs) yeah one thing i think that would be kind of neat and would be a nice contrast is if ray actually ends up being the granddaughter of obi-wan like, say, Obi-Wan has a relationship between episodes three and four. Then they have, uh, like, say he has a daughter. Mm-hmm. And then his daughter has 
Ray. So she's the granddaughter. So I think it would be kind of a neat little thing where it's a Kenobi trained a Skywalker for two generations, and now the the tables have turned. Yeah, I want her to be uh, the granddaughter of Grand Moff Tarkin. That would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you may file when ready. <laughs> So, is there anything uh, you'd like to plug? Like, I mean, we've plugged your books. You I have uh, books. Um, Facebook, uh, Twitter. You have any of those social um, media machines? My website is stephenjwise.com. And Stephen is spelled with a PH. <laughs> so, I had to add the J in there because Stephen Wise was going to cost, uh, .com was costing like $500 or something. What? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, I guess someone really liked my name i guess so yeah. so um yeah like me on facebook um and you know find find my my author page um and it's uh i think it's facebook.com slash stephen wise author is, is the um, website for that um i send out um little email announcements every so often um haven't done one in a little while but i'm gonna have to do that i have recently kind of redesigned some things so i need to get working on that again um but uh yeah you know go find my books on on uh on amazon and you know buy them (laughs) 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 put put a little money in my pocket yeah (laughs) i I think i've made all about uh four dollars off of amazon so far Uh, (laughs) what's a start yeah (laughs) so steve the wise was taken Steve the Wise. Yeah, I didn't com. even try that. Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. My my professional name I go by Stephen. Uh, oh, fair enough. My friends call me Steve, but uh, uh, although uh, I've I've had a couple friends who insist on calling me Stephen for some reason. That's your name. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's whatever they want to call you, I guess. Yeah. At, at least it's not like my cousins who call me Stevie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Well, thanks for coming back on the show. It's always fun oh, talking with you. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you. My thanks again to Steve Wise for coming back on the show. It's always fun talking nerd and pop culture things with him. Be sure to follow Pensacon on Facebook to find out who will be coming to Pensacon in 2017. Next week, we'll be doing another roundtable discussion, and it's about one of my all-time favorite TV shows, Cheers, the bar in Boston where everybody knows your name. And I'll have my friends Josh Gay and Bill Lyons on the show to discuss Cheers. What were some of our favorite episodes, favorite characters, characters we didn't like, things we would have done different about the show. If you love Cheers, you'll definitely want to come back next week. But until then, you can check out past episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. I'm also on Twitter. My personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond. And the show page is at DDE underscore podcast. And that's all I've got. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. And we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.
You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. <laughs> <laughs>